From the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia, this is Religion for Life. I'm John Shuck. I'm thrilled to have in the studio with me today, Laura George. She is the executive director of the Oracle Institute in Independence, Virginia. Uh, the website is theoracleinstitute.org. The Oracle Institute uh, serves as an advocate for peace and a vanguard for conscious evolution by operating an award-winning publishing house, spirituality school, and peace-building practice. Welcome, Laura, to Religion for Life. Well, thank you for having me, John. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself and the Oracle Institute and how this all began. Well, um, it began after 9-11, actually. I was a practicing attorney at the time with teenage kids at home, and uh, that event was an awakening experience for me, as, as I think it was for many people who um, are working in the God game, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. um, basically, what happened was I had been a meditator for about a decade, and my meditations took a dramatic turn after 9-11. And religion had always been a passion of mine in the sense that it was sort of my hobby to read about it. And I was fortunate as a child. My best friend when I was little was Jewish. My best friend in middle school was Muslim. So I've always been fascinated uh, about why people believe what they believe. But after 9-11, I realized that we were taking a giant step backward in terms of religious intolerance. We had a president who was using Christian crusader language. And um, during a meditation, I was given a message to turn my life over to this mission, which is to um, spread interfaith unity, basically. And kind of the idea is that the religions, as we've inherited them, uh, come from a pre-modern period, and they've um, taken over um, a sectarian quality, um, and patriarchal quality, mm -hmm. and just simply aren't suited, as I get your reading, and I, and I hear you, uh, yeah. for, for the world as we're facing it today. And that's part of what your book, Truth, is, The Truth is about, isn't it? Yes. The, the truth about the five primary religions and the ones we address are Hinduism, Judaism, Buddhism, Christianity, and Islam. The truth, and here, here's the spoiler alert, is that none of them have kept pace with um, either our intellectual aptitude, our sophistication vis-a-vis -vis, uh, our psychological development, our cognitive development. They are stuck, and they're not doing their job, which is to try to stay actually a step ahead of where we are spiritually, and they have become quite divisive. Um, I mean, Buddhism being, I think, the exception. But they are also heavily weighted in patriarchal and masculine energy, um, and they all suffer from that. So there's there, the scales on the cover of that book represent uh, that the Godhead is right now out of balance. And what we believe is that we're about to go through a major paradigm shift to redefine the Godhead, um, but there's no unifying theosophy on the horizon yet. So, you know, the New Age movement is, is one way in which people are exploring a blending of all these uh, great traditions, but um, traditions which have no longer kept pace with where we are. Uh, would you call the Oracle Institute New Age? I actually would not, because while we do teach classes in all five of the primary religions, we focus on their esoteric paths, which we firmly believe will lead to truth. So in other words, if, you are, if the Jewish tradition is what speaks to you, study the Kabbalah. If the Christian tradition speaks to you, learn about Gnosticism. Um, so no, we, our, our classes are actually quite sophisticated. And we also work 
inside what I call the God gap. What's happening right now are that people who are more fundamentalist in their thinking and more rigid in their thinking and fearful about this paradigm shift are getting entrenched and and not moving at all. And then those who are a little more curious about where we're going spiritually are taking off for new vistas. And what's happening is there's this growing void in between the pluralists and the fundamentalists. Uh, we also see it politically because we're, we're breaking down politically along these lines as well. So we started Oracle to actually work in that gap and try and calm down both the end times mania with this, mm-hmm. this one meme and also the magical thinking with the other meme. Um, so no, I would not call us New Age. I would call us um, advocates for uh, unity and greater understanding and also spiritual growth. Let's talk just a little bit about the, the, the setup for Oracle Institute. You're, you're located in uh, Independence, Virginia. Yeah. How, how did this happen? This path has been quite mystical, so I will tell you that I had never heard of this town. I mm-hmm. had never even heard the term Virginia Highlands before and had gone out west thinking we were supposed to locate out west. A friend of mine had a vision. He swears he was not dreaming and said an angel came to him and said, uh, told him to bring, him to bring me to his grandfather's farm, which was located in Independence, Virginia, along the New River. He put me in a car and brought me down. And I knew immediately it was correct. But, yeah, he, um, it was an angelic visit, if you believe in such things, which got me here. And so you've been there for how long? Uh, since 2007. Okay. And so there, on, 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 in Independence, there is, um, you're building a peace pentagon. Yes. That, was, that came in another vision. Um, the building is a pentagon, and it's actually got a pentagon inside the pentagon. The interior chapel is five-sided. And again, uh, the idea being that we want these five primary religions to start holding hands in a meaningful uh, way. And those five, again, are? Hinduism, Judaism, Buddhism, Christianity, and Islam. Okay. Um, so it's got a lot of sacred geometry in addition, like the interior chapel is five. To, everything's five with us, okay, the mm-hmm. pentacle. So the interior walls are five times five, 25 feet long. The exterior walls are 55 feet long, five times 11. Um, it's oriented solar south, not magnetic south. We spent a lot of time studying um, even Masonic building principles. So Anyway, the building itself is spectacular, and it will house um, our work, and we do three things. We have a publishing house, which has published award-winning books, and we also have the, the Multi-Faith Spirituality School. And the third thing that we're just now commencing, the third leg of the, the stool, is peace building. Because as a former attorney, I feel very strongly that hopefully those skills, those advocacy skills, those mediation skills can help in the peace movement. And, of course, it's called a peace pentagon as opposed to another pentagon in Virginia. That's the other mystical aspect to it, I think. Um, Like, we always knew we'd build a headquarters one day, but when it came in during a meditation to build a pentagon, I was like, wow. Okay, so we've got the war pentagon in northern Virginia on the Potomac. Now we're going to have this peace pentagon, you know, in the New River in in southern Virginia. And, yeah, energetically, um, it feels exceedingly powerful, what we're doing yeah and and, uh how far along are you in the building process it's about halfway done and it's 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 glorious Uh, it's timber frame inside so even though the outside's looking like a big old barn at the moment a five-sided barn you walk inside and it's like oh 
It, it's spectacular, and I hope you will come. I will definitely come. This uh, this us. is very intriguing, and uh, and it's also green construction, right? Or oh, green architecture. Ultimate green. We're we're doing a pa- it's called passive house, which and that term gets used colloquially. But it's a German model. I mean, our building has been sent to Germany and run through a computer system and, and, you know, thousands of data points checked. And it will be the fifth passive, again, five, the fifth passive house building, commercial building in the United States. So what does that mean? Does it mean it it gets solar energy? Is that how it's run? uh, It takes advantage of solar property, solar gain, solar loss, um, and is designed to... To, to efficiently deal with that, but also, yeah, there's there's geothermal involved. There's there will be some, um, hmm. you know, uh, solar panels, but it's it's mainly just very smart engineering. I mean, the Germans are quite smart. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. And there's only a few architects in the United States who even are licensed or re- or, you know, registered to do this sort of uh, design and building. If you're just joining us on Religion for Life, my guest is Laura George. She's the executive director of the Oracle Institute. You can find the website, uh, theoracleinstitute.org, and go there for uh, information, including a little video uh, itself about uh, about the Peace Pentagon. Now, you're also affiliated with the uh, Unitarian Universalist Church of Independence. How, how is that connection? Well, um, my very dear friend, Amelia Bland-Waller, uh, who actually was one of the founders of the UU Church in Meadowview, uh, the UU Church of the Highlands. Uh, after, well, to back up the story just quickly, it's, we had trouble when we filed for the permit for the Peace Pentagon. Yeah, tell us about that. All sorry. right. Well, the local population um, is very uh, religiously evangelical and became quite nervous at our entry onto the scene. I mean, part of it being that our icon is the pinnacle, and I tried to explain to them what that meant. It's unity among the five religions. But long story short, when I went to get the permit, um, we were protested heavily by the local population, and it took two, it was a two-year litigation to finally get the permit, where the Federal Justice Department was actually getting involved. Anyway, we get the permit, and Amelia and I felt that... um, there was controversy on both sides. There were people coming out in favor of the Oracle Institute. So we decided to start a UU church and to see how many people in the area weren't being served uh, religiously, spiritually by the evangelical churches. Um, and there are no other churches in Grayson County, by the way. There are only Christian churches. There's not even a, there's not even a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pleased to say the experiment has gone very well. We're two years into it. We have about 30 to 40 people who attend the services and, um, you know, the UU umbrella is, is perfect because, as you know, it's exceedingly so inclusive. So you you're embraced by the denomination in whatever sense it embraces folks? Yes. Or well, we congregation? We, yeah, we started the congregation together. Um, okay. Amelia's president of the church. I was mm-hmm. a trustee. I just dropped off. But, yes, um, we needed this. There was clearly uh, a void there for people who are seeking um, – you know, a more inclusive umbrella. And also, we're going to stay lay-led. We have speakers come in every month. Um, so it's it's been wonderful. And we're actually meeting this Friday, and we're going to have a speaker talk about the Hajj. So the Hajj, the pilgrimage. Yes, yes. So you have speakers. So you where do, where do the speakers come from? Um, there's a lot of local talent. We had a gentleman mm-hmm. here, Raj Mehta, uh, oh, yeah. speak. You know Raj? I, I he, do know Raj, Okay, yes. he spoke um, about... Um, Sacred poetry and and Rumi and and others, 
Um, so we scramble it up. We just like we do at the Oracle Institute. We do the same thing with the church. We um, we try to bring stimulated conversation to the table, and and we do. So when the um, the Pentagon is completed, the Peace Pentagon, uh, what will you do there? Well, we'll finally have um, a permanent headquarters, which will be so nice. Um, and we will do our, our publishing work. I mean, that, that's what we're probably known for the best right now. We have uh, three award-winning books, and we don't publish much. We only push, publish a book or two a year, but the quality is exceedingly high. And right out of the gate, The Truth About the Five Primary Religions mm-hmm. won a book award, um, which was exceedingly— Congratulations. That's very good. It's very validating because my family thought I had lost my mind and my friends thought I had lost my mind. <laughs> like, you're right. You're going to not be a lawyer anymore and work for God. Um, <laughs> so that was interesting. And then another one of our authors, Valerie Tirico, is very well known. Um, and this one, uh, also a book award. And this book is called Trusting Doubt. And it was written for evangelicals, um, telling them or or encouraging them to follow their own doubt. If something doesn't make sense, there's a reason it doesn't make sense, and and follow that um, instinct. As opposed to just saying, well, don't Blind. doubt, just keep believing. Blind something faith. something wrong with you. Yeah. Blind faith. In fact, you know, my license plate is SADA, and people ask me what that means. It's S-A-D-D-H-A. Yeah. And during my interfaith studies, I came across the word studying Buddhism, and it is the opposite of blind faith. It's badly translated into English as faith, and that's not what it means. It means trustful confidence in the sense that you do not believe something until you see it with your own eyes, till you can touch it yourself, till you can smell it yourself. So their concept of faith is something that builds upon actual experience as opposed to, you know, the Western view of faith, which is you accept this doctrine and don't question it. And so this view of faith, Sada, mm-hmm. is also... Um, Compliments are also on your looking at science. I mean, th- exactly. that's really the, the problem, on, and I see it with a lot of religion is that it's, it keep, wants to oppose itself to, to science and to growing. But um, a religion of the 21st century, or a spirituality, or a faith tradition, or a human tradition, whatever we want to call it, really needs to embrace all of these ways of knowing. Exactly, and that's the point that we make in the truth. We should have been building this database of Mm -hmm. truth where it wasn't just, and I I don't mean just in the sense I'm minimizing, but it wasn't just the sterling messages, the divine messages that the prophets brought. We also should be considering Einstein a prophet and these these geniuses who have contributed to our understanding of of our, our world. So, yeah, we should have been building this database, incorporating that into our sense of spirituality, and, and fortunately, it's actually happening, but I don't see the church as helping much. I mean, I'm reading right now The God Problem, um, and it, you know, by, by Harold Bloom. Okay. Oh, yeah. And he's using terms that are mystical, sci- even though he's an atheist. So mm-hmm. they're, science and spirituality are absolutely merging. Um, and, and, and the scientists are, are, as I say, using terms that Walter Russell used or that Edgar Cayce used or that even Teresa of Avila used, who's my favorite mystic. Um, they're starting to see that there's a cadence to the universe. There's, there's a, there are patterns that aren't random, not even close to random. So, um, yeah, that's what we should have been doing with our spirituality is, is incorporating everything. And that's what is going to happen. And that's why I say we're on the verge of a paradigm shift because we're going to be leaving um, this era. And if I could go through the paradigms very quickly, we try to explain this to people. 
You're talking about the, uh, the five spiritual paradigms. Yes. Um, and it's a, it's a real easy but also accurate template and helps people understand how we have progressed spiritually. So the first paradigm um, is sort of pre-Big Bang in the sense that all was one or all was nothing, whether you're, you know, if you're an atheist. But in the, in the Christian tradition, that would be Garden of Eden, pre-fall of mankind. Um, and then in the Christian tradition, we have this fall. Uh, in other traditions, we, we have this period where we move into uh, the, what we call the era of the Great Mother because it, early civilizations believed that God must be female um, since females give birth. So, and that was the longest-lived paradigm. That lasted about 20,000 years. And then with the age of agriculture, we moved into the third paradigm. That's about, what, 5,000 B.C.? Yes. And then we, you know, we, we have a division of labor starting between men and women. We're mm -hmm. no longer, you know, hunter-gatherers. And we see um, the gods and goddesses appearing. So now we've got polytheism. And that era lasted for about 5,000 years. And only one religion survived from that era, and it's Hinduism. And mm -hmm. there are reasons for that. We don't have time to go into it, but, you know, the Babylonian, the Egyptian, the Roman, the Greek, all those pantheon of gods are in our history books now. Right. Yeah, that's what we call mythology today. Exactly. Right. And uh, frankly— someone, uh, someone else's religion is mythology. Right. But anyway. Okay, I'm, go ahead, and then, and then we move into Okay, kind so of then the, we've got the Abrahamic religion starting, mm -hmm. and we move to male monotheism. So we went from female monotheism to polytheism to male monotheism. The sky god. Yes, and we have been in this fourth paradigm for about 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. And frankly, Jesus didn't help much with the God the Father, God the Father, God the Father, and never talking about the feminine side of the Godhead. So we have mm -hmm. been entrenched for about 2,000 years in that era. And so what we believe is the Godhead's going to rebalance again. We're not going to go back to polytheism, but we're now fully capable of envisioning a Godhead that is either energetic, so, you know, genderless, or a gender full, if you, you know, more yin-yang in your thinking, but an entity that encompasses everything. And it, and it needs to be a spirituality, a philosophy, a religion that, again, my, my the bell I keep ringing, that is consistent and confluent with our understanding of the universe today, exactly. a history of evolution, a 13.7 billion year. It's an amazing universe out there, and our religions, all of those five, were created in a pre-modern world in which the earth was conceived as the center and the planets and sun. I mean, it's a totally exactly. different plan, and, and, and it seems that they often fight against science rather than, than and embrace it. We yes. kind of talked to that already. But you talked about the trickle-down deity theory. Right. We write about that um, in the sense that every civilization uh, has created its concept of the Godhead and then its religious or its ceremonial or, or spiritual uh, manifestation is by definition directly related to how they define the Godhead. And in addition to that, because we've been in this patriarchal flow for about 2,000 years, things like um, intellectual aptitude are favored or worshipped more than, say, the more feminine side of the equation, which is the wisdom or the the prioritization energy. So in other words, you know, we can spend billions of dollars on warfare and see what we can build just for the sake of building, or we could take that money and say, we're going to give everyone free health care, or, you know, free, but we're going to give everyone health care, we're going to take care of our children, we're going to send our, stu you know, stu every student that's worthy to university. So the God itself is out of balance because I think we have been in this patriarchal mindset for so long, 
And that too is starting to shift. So, yeah. And so when I talk about science, it's been a good thing, but it's also been kind of geared to technology and industrial civilization and on, on all of that kind of right. thing. It hasn't necessarily grasped the wisdom of being human and, and, right. and being a citizen of Earth. We're like uh, someone said, a two-year-old with a machine gun. We haven't been able to draw in the, the ethics and the spirituality of, exactly. of what it means to be human. And, and that's and in part what I see you doing. That's what we're trying to do. And um, in the Oracle Foundational Trilogy, you know, the, verse, the first book was The Truth. The second book mm -hmm. is called The Love of the Fifth Spiritual Paradigm. And, and in that book, we make the point that since these five religions aren't leading the way, or they don't appear to be capable of it right now, although I love the new pope, I got to say, liking the new pope, um, we, we better just get back to the basics, what all of them agree upon, which is this religion of love, mm -hmm. um, and start focusing on that side of the equation, um, and that side being what, what the mystics would call the feminine side, just to get things back in balance. So it's not that I'm a raging feminist, it's just that I see a godhead out of balance. The trickle-down deity theory then posits that as a result of that, we see all these frontline symptoms. Even, even we, we don't have time, but I could make a pretty valid argument that even things like alcoholism and poverty and you know our, how our educational system is designed all of that stems from an over-fascination with half of God's energy, the intellectual half, the, crea the creative half, um, but not the wisdom piece, Sophia, uh, the holy Shekna, um, and these traditions. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just things, think things are out of balance, but, but are getting better. You wrote a book called The Truth, and another book you have is The Love, which I love. Um, it's almost like a, a Bible of, of, of your favorite, a loose-leaf Bible of your favorite authors. I mean, it includes Bill McKibben, Maya Angelou, Desmond Tutu. Uh, tell me about this book. Yes, The the Love is the second book in the Oracle Institute trilogy, um, the books being The Truth, The Love, The Light. There are 11 chapters in the book, all in different types of love, and these loves build. They get increasingly harder. So, in other words... Uh, the second to the last chapter is love of your fellow man. We use the term Matakiasin, which is Lakota. And if you can't love your fellow man, you can't love God, which is the last chapter, love of God. And Desmond Tutu speaks to that eloquently in the last chapter. Executive Director Laura George of the Oracle Institute is my guest on Religion for Life. The Oracle Institute, uh, headquartered in Independence, Virginia, just north of the North Carolina border in southwest Virginia. Um, go and visit the construction there of, of the Peace Pentagon. And um, you're, you, also, you have a multi-faith spirituality school now that meets in different places, right, in, in Independence, with classes on Gnosticism and sacred geometry and Christianity and Islam and all kinds of exciting things. Yes, we do. I mean, we're, we're lucky to be able to use venues that are um, pretty close, and we have a new Oracle guest house. We're doing classes. And yes, we like to um, scramble it up a bit. We're doing a series on Buddhism right now. We're doing a series on um, Christian Gnosticism. Um, there's a tradition which is very well grounded, I think historic historically accurate, that Jesus practiced the Kabbalah. So um, we're doing the Christian Kabbalah. Um, yeah, this weekend we're doing a class on uh, self-defense. It's called Athena Power, and it's about using um, both your spirituality and your understanding of, of what's going on in the ground to protect yourself both uh, physically and emotionally and um, energetically. So, 
Yeah, we like to mix it up. Um, it's a good variety of classes. And if you're close by, listeners, please come and uh, attend some of our classes. Now, we, we talked a little bit about the neighbors. Uh, how, how are you being able to make a connection with the, with the community in some positive ways? Yes. Um, I am really happy to say that um, both me, I mean, me personally and the Mission of the Oracle Institute is being better understood by the residents of Grayson County. And I actually dare to say, almost embraced. I don't know if we're quite there, but they're certainly not fearful of us anymore. They know that mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we are working so hard in so many ways, and, uh, and I contribute even on a political level. We had a big zoning fight most recently. We had a new supervisor who wanted to scrap zoning altogether and make it the Wild West out there. And um, you know, for six months, I was involved in, in trying to hammer out a solution. So they're seeing me love what they love, which is their home, and, and I do. Oh, that's good. And your skills as an attorney aren't uh, are also helpful at the time. Yeah, we well. fought off we fought a prison off yeah. the New River. In addition, uh, right after I, I bought the property, they wanted to, to cite a prison right in the New River. So, yeah, when needed, I can pull that law degree out of my hip pocket and <laughs> use it. <laughs> um, the big picture. We just have a, a couple of minutes left for the big picture. But uh, you talk about uh, a, a phrase you use, kind of where we're at a, a turning point, I guess. For, all, for mm-hmm. That isn't the phrase you use, but you use something similar to that. Where do you see humanity going? What are the choices we need to make now? Um, I'm a big fan of Ken Wilber, mm-hmm. known as the Einstein of Consciousness. And I took a class with him recently and asked him, Ken, what do you think is going to happen first? That the fundamentalists are going to start World War III, Armageddon? or that second-tier thinkers um, are going to lead us into a new age. And he answered that question in an hour and a half, and at the end said, I give us no better than a 50-50 chance. Well, it's better than a (laughs) one out of ten. So this God gap is a serious problem, a serious problem. So to answer your question, I'm very optimistic in the sense that um, the fastest-growing meme right now is the what we would call the pluralist meme, people who are getting world-centric in their view so that the starving child in Africa or India is becoming their child. Um, but we're in a race against time because we also have a great segment of the population who literally believe in the prophecies in some of these holy books, um, which yeah. is one timeline, which is one potential timeline. Mm-hmm. But it's up to us. I mean, clearly God didn't create us to destroy us. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, we're also, uh, we, when we talk to environmentalists, we talk to people looking at energy, we talk to population yeah. and overshoot. I mean, we're at a pretty critical juncture. It's be, uh, Things are going to be changing regardless. And how we manage these changes, we may not be able to prevent a lot of things that are, you know, the lights going out in some ways, but we can manage these things in a human way rather than killing each other at the end of it. Yes. And so our ultimate goal to answer your question mm-hmm. is to start a sustainable spiritual community to model how people will live in the future. And the project is called the Valley of Light Project. We discuss Mm. it on our website if people are interested. And I'm using as a template a place called Damanhur in Italy, which is the only full-spectrum community on the planet. In other words, we have intentional communities here. We have some wonderful ones in Virginia, by the way, like Twin Oaks. who may, uh, say, educate their children, they may grow their own food, and they might have some businesses, so they hit three sectors. Damanhur has their own bank. They hmm. do all their own health care. They have their own currency, by the way, too, with regard to business. They have 80 businesses, which are internally owned. They have basically unplugged, not in the sense that they've created this isolated 
um, environment because anyone is welcome to visit, but they've unplugged in the sense that they have jumped about 50 years into the future, and they're modeling it. And I think that's what we need. It, it, people talk about it all the time. What's the new world going to look like? The new age going to look like? It's time to now model it. So that's what the Valley of Light Project is about. Laura George, Executive Director of the Oracle Institute, theoracleinstitute.org, has been my guest on Religion for Life. Thank you for being with me today, and thank you for your work. Thank you. You've been listening to Religion for Life at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. I'm John Schuck, minister at First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. You can find links to podcasts and more information about Religion for Life at religionforlife.com. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hear us on iTunes. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC in Emory, Virginia. Be well. Be well.